Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. This morning, simple message titled is, Jesus Makes Us Whole. Jesus Makes Us Whole. Can you say with me, Jesus Makes Me Whole? Jesus makes me whole. Isn't that wonderful to hear yourself say? Who makes you whole? Jesus. Jesus makes you whole. Before we get into our scriptural text here, it doesn't take uh, much but to look around and see how many people are hurting in this world. There are people around that we know that are troubled. And what are they looking for? Peace. There are those that are lonely. What are they looking for? A friend. You've got those that are feeling hopeless. What do they need? Someone to come along and give them hope. Some are fearful. They need to hear some words that will help them develop their faith in God. You've got those that are discouraged. They need encouragement. Share with someone some truth from God's word that will encourage them in the Lord. Then you've got those that are Sick, maybe diseased, and they need healing. They need health. They need help in that area of their lives. It could be spiritual, emotional, physical, whatever help a person needs. Well, I've got good news for us this morning. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. You might even know it by heart. But Jesus said these very first words, Come unto me. Come unto me. Say with me, here I come, Jesus. See, the good news I have is, you don't come to me. You're not going to come to our prayer partners. Oh, you may come up here and be prayed for after our, our message this morning. But who are you going to? Come unto me, ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus likes the light and easy. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know what a yoke is? This apparatus that you put around these animals, these farm animals, to have them do your plowing for you. But Jesus said his yoke is light. It's easy. When you yoke up together with him, hallelujah, he did all the work. All we have to do is just go with the flow. See, by faith, we just tap into what he did. He did all the work and we get all the benefits. So he says, come to me. Now, let's play that out. Well, if you're in a situation where you're troubled, can you find peace in him? He said, peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. So don't let your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. Right? Well, you say you're lonely. What do you need? A relationship? You need a friend? Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Do you need hope? He's your blessed hope. 
Oh my, he's your blessed hope. And what about faith? You can find faith in him, I guarantee it, praise God. So the list goes on and on that he's there for us. Come to me, he says. This is not about us. This is all about him. And healing is all about him and not about us. It's not about my performance. It's not about your performance. It's not about my good works or your good works. It's all about what he has done for us. He bore our sickness. He carried our pains. And with his stripes, we were healed. Think about that. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And what that means is the mental anguish that people encounter today and suffer today, it was all put on him so we could be free from it all. By whose stripes you were healed. Don't believe me? Look in the book of uh, Acts, chapter 3. Here's a man who was laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And when he's lying there, of course, just asking alms of people that are entering into the temple. He sees Peter and John about to enter into the temple and he asks alms of them. Who, seeing him, Peter fasts his eyes on him and says, look on us. And of course, he expected to receive something from them. Peter says, silver and gold have I not. But what I have, I'm going to give you this morning. Who would he have? He had Jesus. He had Jesus. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up, walked and leaped and entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And when the people saw that, they marveled at it. But look at here in verse 11. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto him in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness, we made this man to walk. Listen to that. It's not my power. It's not my holiness. Do you hear that? Uh-uh. I didn't have to, uh, uh, let's say, come to a place where I've got all this revelation of this degree of holiness that I have. No, it's not by any effort on my part. No. No, but the God, and listen to this. Listen to who he's talking to. He's talking to these Jewish people there in Jerusalem. He's talking to these people that wanted to, to kill him before. But the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son, whom you delivered up. You denied him in the presence of Pilate, who, wanted, who was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just. You denied him. And desired a murderer, imagine that, to be granted to you. And killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name... Hallelujah. Say his name. name. Through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith that is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now, how does that stand out? Think about this. They saw that man there every single day at the temple gate called beautiful. They were the ones that put money in his little cup that he had as he's begging for alms. They saw the state that he was in. They saw he was hopeless. They saw he's been that way for many, 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 many years. Think about that. Never had any quality of life whatsoever other than being a beggar there 
depending on people to put money in his cup for his survival. All of a sudden, the man is walking, leaping, praising God. He's got a new life. He's got a brand new start. He's ecstatic. And go to chapter 4. Let's see how excited the religious rulers were. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people of, and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he's made whole, be it known unto you all, and all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which, you, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And if you read through that, you find out that they were absolutely infuriated by the fact that this man who had never walked is now walking. You see, that didn't go with their agenda. They didn't like that because that rubbed them the wrong way. So they're upset. They're criticizing them. They are threatening them. Don't you preach. Don't you teach any longer in this powerful name. Put a stop to it right here and right now. And they said, should we obey you or should we obey God? They went to their own company and they said, Lord, do you hear all the threats they're making? They don't want us to preach and teach about the powerful name of Jesus. So you know what, Lord? Stretch forth your hand to heal and may signs and wonders be wrought by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken together where they were gathered together and everybody was filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You would think that those Jewish elders would have been ecstatic to see someone who had never walked to walk. Wouldn't you? But they were infuriated. They're upset about it. They weren't concerned whatsoever. They were only concerned about themselves. Who made him whole? Jesus, Jesus did. Whose name made him whole? Jesus. The name of Jesus made him whole. Is Jesus the same today? Yes. Yesterday? Yes. And forever? Yes. And always? Yes. You know that he is. Well, guess what? He's not deficient in power today. He's the same today. And brother, you got healed by the power of that name. The name of Jesus. And that's what he's all about. But I'm sorry to say the church hasn't represented it that way. And that's wrong. In John's gospel, we see another illustration. I believe that these particular healings were strategically placed by the Holy Spirit in the Holy Writ. Why? To teach us some lessons. So we can learn some things and not develop our theology based on our personal experience. This rises above personal experience. Someone says, well, I got prayed for and I, nothing happened. Does that mean God doesn't want me healed? Mm, that doesn't mean that at all. That means we got to make some tweaks. Something has to be adjusted. Really? Yeah, ask Naaman the leper. Naaman the leper was told, go walk, he, this is what he was told, go dip in the Ohio River seven times. I'm sorry, the River Jordan seven times. If he had dipped in the Ohio River, he might have had a new body part. An extra arm or an extra leg or something like that. But he was told to go dip seven times, right? And you would think if you had leprosy, you would welcome that. 
What did you say? If I go and dip seven times in the Jordan River, I'll come out clean and no more leprosy? Yeah, go dip. He gets angry. He gets angry. You didn't come out, Elijah the, Elijah the prophet. You didn't come out and, and, and greet me. You didn't bring your news crews with you and greet me. CBN wasn't there. TBN wasn't there. And the list goes on and on. They weren't there. But here I am. And, you know, I am a person of dignity. The servant says, just go dip in the muddy water and come out clean. He turned around and walked away. No way. I'm going my own way. Until his lowly servants came along and just said, Oh, master, if he told you to do something more spectacular, would you have done it? More bold, would you have done it? Oh, yeah, I would have done it then. Well, then what's wrong with going dipping in the water seven times and getting healed? See, God wanted him healed. God gave him the instructions to be healed. But he would have walked away and said, there's no healing down there in Israel. Why? Because it wasn't done your way, Naaman. So he goes back down and dips seven times. Every dip was a layer of pride that was removed from his entire being. And he came out with no leprosy. Isn't that something? When we do it God's way, we get the results that God wants us to have. But sometimes we just don't do it God's way. In John's gospel, notice here. Uh, wait a minute. Let's, before we go, go to Acts chapter 9. Can we do that? Yeah. It came to pass, this is in the book of Acts, this is sometime after this incident took place with this man that was lame. <clears throat> came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Leda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years. He was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, make it the whole. Let those words ring in your ears. Jesus Christ, make it the whole. Say that with me. Jesus Christ, make it the whole. Say it this way. Jesus Christ makes me whole. That's called the simplicity of the gospel. It doesn't get more simple than that. Or simpler than that, does it? Jesus Christ makes me whole. That's it. Not because you're so good, not because you're so bad, not because you've done this, not because you've done that. No, Jesus Christ makes me whole. I accept his sacrifice. I accept what he's done. Jesus Christ makes me whole. Why are you saying that? Because it's true. Jesus Christ makes me whole. Okay, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwell at Leda and Saron saw him. And turn to the Lord. Look at that result. All the people there turn to the Lord. Oh, beloved, if we want to evangelize our world today, we need signs and wonders and demonstrations of God's awesome power as we in simple faith just believe that he did what he said he did. He died for us. He rose for us. He has arisen with healing in his wings. People need physical help, emotional help. And guess what? Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Hallelujah. I'm glad we can go to him. Look at John's gospel chapter 5 now. We're going to read all 16 of these verses because it's important. But as I was saying, I believe the Holy Spirit strategically places these testimonies in the scriptures, the Holy Writ, so we can glean some light from them and learn some things from them so that we can apply them to our lives. Aren't you glad that he's patient with us? See, the sad part about it is that when we're healthy, we don't think about or in terms of spiritual healing. 
divine healing in health. But then we get to a place of desperate need. We want to turn. But then sometimes there's some things we need to learn and we don't know that we have to understand and discern to receive that way. Okay, here's a man and you will read about it. John chapter 5, verse 1. And this, there was, a, there was a feast. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. And Bethesda means house of mercy. House of mercy. Having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. This would be a manifestation of the Spirit. For an angel went down at a certain season, not all the time, but at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Notice, made whole. And a certain man there, which had an infirmity 38 years, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? What a question to ask. But we'll move on. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry your bed. Hmm. He answered them, He that made me whole. Who made him whole? The same day said to me, Take up, take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple and said to him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews rejoice and be glad. And they were excited beyond measure that they now know who made this man who had never walked for all these years whole. Uh, no. Now after therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Oh, I see. I see. It's the Sabbath day. And that's why you can't do this. But, you know, he called them a bunch of hypocrites because they made that statement. He said, on the Sabbath day, do you take your oxen out for a drink? Uh-huh. On the Sabbath day, if your little lamb falls into a hole or a ditch, do you go in there and rescue him? Uh, yeah. He said, well, then, you hypocrites, if you could do that, how much more is this man's life in need of my help, even though it's the Sabbath day? And they wouldn't even answer him a word. They were embarrassed by the comment. Aren't you glad that Jesus looks beyond all the, uh, let's say, the legal aspects of it all? But he looks at the letter of the Spirit, the Spirit of the Word, not the letter of the law. Amen. Well, as we look at this individual, we find certain things. Number one, we need to identify the need. And that's what he was doing, to identify the need and the want of the individual. What did he need and what did he want? Well, we know the man was there for so many, many years. We know... He was in a state to where he couldn't walk. 
we know he was there because at a certain season, there was a troubling of the water. An angel went down and the first person who got in was completely healed. Imagine that. So if I could just play that back for you. Bethesda is called the house of mercy. But we're going to find out that the house of mercy, there's a dog eat dog world at the house of mercy. You're out for yourself at the house of mercy. Why do you say that? Because when the water was troubled, this man in effort to get there probably tried to scooch himself down to get into the water. No one would help him to get into the water. But somebody with COVID-19 would jump in before him. Because you see, they could still run and get healed. Or someone with pneumonia would get in there before him. Looking out for themselves. Well, this man's in a desperate situation. You could actually say all the things we talked about earlier. He is troubled. Doesn't have a friend. Nobody wants to help him out in any way or get him in there because they're tired of the whole situation. All these years... Give up on it. Forget about it. You can't get in there. You don't know when the trouble, what water's going to be troubled and all that. So here he is. He's lonely, without a friend, by himself, hopeless. There's no way to get in. This is my lot in life. I must concede. That's all there is to it. I'm going to be this way for the rest of my entire life. What do you want, Jesus said? Will you be made whole? What an absurd question to ask someone there at the gate or at the pool. Of Bethesda. Why would you ask that question? That's why I've been here for all this time. Jesus knew that, but he wanted to get him to focus. He wanted to hear him say what he wanted. I don't have a man. That was his answer. Point number two. Don't blame someone else. Don't blame someone else. We position ourselves before God. We let him know what we want. We want to be healed. We want to be whole. We want to be free of this situation. It could be spiritual. It could be emotional. It could be physical. It could be financial. It could be relational. Whatever it might be. I want free from this situation. I'm coming to you because you said come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And I'm going to give you rest, right? But you also said to learn of me. Learn of me. So I'm coming to learn of you how I can receive from you so I can be free from all this. And that's what he tells them. So don't blame someone else. How many of you know that the blame game is an easy game to play? I don't have a man to help me get in there. So that is my dilemma. That's my limitation. We'll go back to Adam and Eve. Adam, when God said, Are you, have you partaken of the fruit of the tree that I told you not to? And he says, the woman you gave me made me do it. In one breath, he, he blamed God and he blamed the woman. And I'm not elaborating on that. In one breath, he blamed God, he blamed the woman. And what did she do when God approached her? What did you do? What, what, what was this? Well, the devil made me do it. That's where that came from, that expression. You realize that? That the devil made me do it. Okay. Well, then go to the book of Exodus and look at something else. I think this is so, somewhat amusing, but it just goes to show you human nature. Human nature is just messed up sometimes, I think. Don't be enraged, my Lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know that the people are intent on evil. Now, let me back it up before I read the rest of that. This is after the, Moses is up on the mountaintop and getting the Ten Commandments. And they're down there having a party down there. Uh, and, and coming up with a molten calf. And basically worshiping it and saying that you brought us out of Egypt, this molten calf. 
And he was, that calf was their God. So God is angry. He's upset with them. She really tells Moses to go back down there. But he, here's what happens. Don't be enraged, my Lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know that the people are intent on evil. He blames the people. They said to me, make us a God who will go before us because this Moses, they blame Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And when I threw it into the fire, out came the calf. <laughs> now he blames the fire. <laughs> he just threw in the gold and poof, out came the calf. So Aaron doesn't blame himself. Aaron doesn't take responsibility. Aaron blames the people, blames Moses, and now blames the fire. That was somewhat far-fetched, wouldn't you say? I would have stopped short of the fire. You mean it just magically turned into a calf? And it just happened. It's easy to blame someone else and not take responsibility for ourselves. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. That's the truth, isn't it? But look at this wonderful woman, the no-name woman. All we know her by is the woman with the issue of blood. The blood issue woman. Look at Mark's gospel, chapter 5. Look at this. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. She touched his garment, for she said, if I. Who? I. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Who did she put the responsibility on? Herself. Now, that wasn't a small thing to do. She's an unclean woman. She cannot be around a crowd. She cannot have other people around her. And if she goes into a crowd or goes near a crowd, she has to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So they all disperse. Some, something similar like what we went through with COVID and all that. Stay away. You know, and everything. So here she is and she can't get near anybody. But she says to herself, if I may but touch to him of his garment, I will be made whole. Who does she want to touch? Does she blame her environment? Does she blame other people? Does she put the responsibility on circumstances? No. What she is is headstrong. And she says, I am making myself a commitment. I am going to get up and I'm going to touch Jesus. I am going to touch Jesus. If you want help, if you're troubled, there's help for you and Jesus. There's hope. There's peace, there's healing, there's health, there's victory, there's provision, there's protection. And where is it found? In Jesus. It's time to get back to touching Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It's time to get back to touching Jesus. Not religion. Not religion, not works, but touching Jesus. I want to come here on a Sunday morning and I want to make certain that we were in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we leave, we made a contact and a connection with him. And he's touched our hearts, touched our lives and produced within us his will, the good pleasure of his will. To do what? To provide the help that we need. To provide the hope that we need. The friendship that we need. Healing that we need. Deliverance that we need. Victory that we need. Prosperity that we need. Whatever it might be. It all comes from him. He said, come to me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give. You think he's depleted of all his resources? Not at all. You see, my job is not to point you to me. 
My job is to point you to him. And let you know that you are his masterpiece. You are his work of outstanding skill in artistry. You are, praise God, what he made you to be. You couldn't make yourself who you are right now in him, but he did it for you. He found you. He washed you in his blood. He gave you a hope on the inside of you full of glory. Oh, thank God. He's done that for you. He's done that for me and for all of us. And it's a simply, it's simply just touching him with our faith. I believe you, Lord. And that's what he was getting this man to do. Well, go to John 5 and look at verses 8 and 9. The third thing is he wants us to do is exercise our faith. Once this man decided that he wanted healed, he was going to blame anybody else. Jesus gave him a command. He told him what to do, just like Naaman. And what did he tell the guy to do? Rise, take up your bed and walk, is what he told him to do. See, sometimes and probably many times, if not most times, we need a response of faith. We have to respond by faith to what his command might be for us to do. And you go and find, that, for example, the ten lepers. When they came to him, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Which was an act of faith because even though they still had the signs or the symptoms of leprosy, they started on their journey and as they went, they were healed. It wasn't instantaneous while they were still there. As they went, then all their leprosy began to leave and it was gone. So they had to rise up and step out in faith. One came back to give thanks to the Lord. And then we've got the man with the withered hand. And this man is told to stretch forth your hand. What if he didn't want to stretch forth his hand? What if he didn't take the, make the attempt to stretch forth his hand? Would it become whole? Absolutely not. But he made the attempt. He did exactly what Jesus told him to do. And he stretched forth his hand and he was made whole. Then we've got also the blind men. They come to Jesus. One man, blind man, came to Jesus and, and he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. What if he had not gone to wash in the pool of Siloam? Can you imagine yourself being in that condition? You're blind. You can't see. You, you probably need somebody else to get you to the pool of Siloam. Why, why would I want to make that trip? Why would I have to go and do something like that? We can have all kinds of attitudes. Oh, that's ridiculous. Why would he tell me to do that? But you know what? The man just went and did what Jesus said to do. And when he did what Jesus said to do, he came back seeing. You see, the point is, we get to Jesus for our instructions. We get to him and say, what's your mind? What should I do in this given situation? You tell me what to do. We have the basic principles of God's word that tells us how to receive healing from the Lord. But also we have the instructional information given to us by the Holy Ghost in our given situation that says, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And then we do that and what happens? We get the result. The result is whatever it is that we need, the need is met. And then, of course, we have the other ones. We've got the name and we talked about. What about the Israelites when they were in the wilderness and they sinned against God? How about this? While they were in the same wilderness before they sinned against God, not one serpent bit any of them. Two and a half million, three million people out there in the wilderness and not one gets a serpent bite. Not one. They're all protected, divinely protected. See, sometimes we walk in the protection of God and we probably take it for granted. We don't realize it's happening while we're just sitting back doing nothing but ex ex accepting it by faith. And we thank him for it. That happened to them. But then they rebelled. And when they rebelled, all of a sudden, they're all start, starting to get bit by the serpents. And they're dying. You see, when God's hand of protection is removed from a situation, all of a sudden, the evil comes in. So they cried out to Moses. And Moses cries out to God. And says, what are we going to do? And what does God say to Moses? Get yourself a serpent, put it on a pole. And you tell the people down there, whoever gets bit by a snake, 
to behold the serpent on the pole. And if they'll look, they'll be healed. If not, they'll die. That responsibility is placed on the individual. We say, that sounds easy. Does it really sound easy? If you got a serpent bite on your foot, on your ankle, where would your eyes go? Where would your eyes go? Where would your attention go? I think right down there. But he said, don't do it. Don't look at your symptom. Look at the solution. Keep your eyes on the solution. You know, the Bible says, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, while we look not at what is seen, but what is not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So we get our eyes off of the symptom. We're not say, I'm not saying they're not real. I'm not saying that it's not there. It's there. You know it's there. It's burning and it's doing whatever it's doing in there. But you look at the solution. And the solution is Jesus hung on a tree. He hung on a cross, the serpent on the pole. He became the curse on Calvary for us so that by his stripes we are healed. And the word behold means to look at it with a steady absorbing gaze. Look at it with a steady absorbing gaze. And so we keep on looking at the cross. We keep on looking at the answer, at the solution. With your stripes, I was healed. I'm recovering in the name of Jesus. With your stripes, I was healed. Therefore, I call myself healed by your stripes, Jesus. And you keep your focus and attention on the solution, not on the problem. And you know, when we continue to do that, we keep activating the power of God that makes wholeness in our lives. That's how people are delivered, set free and made whole. So that's what he told them to do. So it was up to them to do it. If they didn't do it, what if Moses never put the serpent on the pole and hung it up there? There was no frame of reference then to receive their healing. But notice that God made the provision, but it was up to them to what? Tap into the provision. Can you see that? Absolutely. And then also we have the bitter waters of Marah. Remember when they came out of Egypt and there was no water and they went for so many days and they had nothing to drink and they were getting dehydrated and they were upset. They were murmuring and complaining. Now, I don't know about you, but would you murmur and complain after three days of nothing to drink? Come on, the rest of you. Would you be a little bit complaining if you had nothing to drink for three days? In the desert, no less. I should add that to it, right? In the desert, nothing to drink for three days and there you are. You're getting dehydrated. And now you find this little pond or this little lake or wherever they were at. And the water is poisoned. Poison water. I know. I got a solution. Let's just throw this fallen tree into the water. That'll make it better. Uh, really? You one of those fanatics or some crazy person or what? What are you talking about? Well, God said to Moses, you see that tree over there? What's that tree represent? The cross of Christ. What makes the bitter waters of life sweet? The cross of Christ. And nothing to do with you or me, but doing what he said to do is what Jesus did. So they throw in the cross into the troubled waters of human life. And what happens? The waters become sweet. Come to me. I'll make your waters sweet, he says. See, keep your eyes on that. So God tells us to do certain things and we have to cooperate with him and do what he says to do. It may seem illogical. It might seem crazy. It may seem unreasonable. How many of you know that God is greater than reason and greater than logic? How many of you know that he brought the universe into being by the words of his mouth? 
Amen. He knows the number of sand along the seashore globally around the world. You know, they say some that are savants, they can know numbers and all that. Not like he knows them. Can you imagine counting all the sand along the seashore, all the dust that's in the air, all the stars he named them and all that? Can you imagine all that? It's incredible how great he is. His ways are so much higher than ours. His thoughts are so much higher than ours. So if he says, walk around the walls of Jericho one day for six days, on the seventh day, do it seven times. And those mighty walls are going to come down. Logic says, are you out of your mind? Reason says, you're crazy. Tell the three Hebrew children going into a burning fire furnace who said, you want to throw me in? The God I serve is able to and he will deliver me out of your hand, O king. And he's infuriated. I laugh at this. Sometimes I think man's reason is just beyond my understanding. See, this is a burning fire furnace. A burning fiery furnace. You can see the fire burning. Turn it up, he says. For what? Why? Making it hotter than what it already is? I don't think it needs to be any hotter than what it is. But his solution to he's so angry, turn that baby up. Yeah, so now you kill your, your servants that are throwing him in there, and they all die. But those three go in there and like they're having a picnic inside a burning fire furnace. And who shows up? Who? Come unto me, ye that labor in the heavy laden, and I will give you peace, rest, friendship, faith, right there in the burning fire fire furnace. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? Wow. Isn't that wonderful? And finally, almost finally, <laughs> give him all the credit. Look at John again, chapter 5. Give him all the glory. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Oh, don't you love to hear that? It was Jesus. I figured it out. You guys really wanted to know who made me whole, right? You were chomping at the bit who made me whole. And who told me I could carry my mat on the Sabbath day. I found out who it was, boys. Who was it? Jesus? Who? Jesus. So they sought to kill him for doing such a deed. Isn't that sad? That's what religion does. But if you have a relationship, mm, it's a whole lot different. Give him all the glory because he deserves it. He's the one that gave the doctors the wisdom, the healthcare workers the understanding, and the ability to do whatever it is that they do. Without his wisdom, knowledge, and understanding imparted to somebody, they wouldn't have to come up with any kind of, uh, let's say, antibiotics or anything of that nature, surgical procedures or anything like that. So even though we thank God for what they can do, who gets all the glory? Because you see, it all comes from him. I'm going to say this statement again. I apply it to myself every day. Without him, I am nothing, have nothing, know nothing, can do nothing. Notice I said without him. You say, but I study. Well, you may study, but who gave you the information to study? One person called King Nebuchadnezzar thought that what he did was on his own. Look at this kingdom I produced by my hand. Okay, so God says, did you now? He removes his hand from him. And what happens to the king? He's like an animal living in the wilderness. His hair growing out, his nails growing out. He was feeding among the animals out there in the wilderness. He was insane. 
You see, if God just removes himself from your life, look out. So anyone that says, I take credit for anything, go dip in the River Jordan seven times and come out with humility and no pride. Because you see, without him, you're nothing, have nothing, know nothing, can do nothing. But are you ready for it? We're not without him. Without him, I can do all things through Christ, who is the strength of my life. With him, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. With him, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall, for he is my God. He is the one that causes me to have the victory. So you know what? Oh, the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who he's redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Praise God. And finally, let's look at this, number, this next verse in John 5, verse 14. What's the final step here? Keep the door closed to the enemy. Afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you're, you're, thou art made whole. You are made whole. I have made you whole. Now sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. You see the responsibility there? Whoa. Sin no more, lest what? A worse thing. You see, we can open up the door to something worse. Once we receive from the Lord, we have a responsibility to do what? To continue walking with him, studying his word, finding out his ways and purposes. Why? To whom much is given, much is required. So now that I know he heals and by the means by which he heals, it's up to me to get into the Bible, get into the word of God and start studying, for example, just the subject to see what it really says about divine healing and health. But I'm sorry to say that for the most part, most churches refuse to do that. You know why? Because it's a subject that's really people challenge. And I understand why. I'm not saying that it's always easy. But you know what? Don't you want to have the highest way that we can receive help in our, in our lives? And if someone doesn't dedicate themselves to teaching it, then guess what? People are left without it. Without the knowledge. Without the revelation. So it's up to us to study his word. God wants us to have a close walk with him. That's what this is all about. I want you to acknowledge me, walk with me, acknowledge what I've done, and stay close. In Ephesians, we are, we, we're told to give no place to the devil. But first of all, I listed these real quick. Let's read them real quick. One through five. Will you be made whole is the question. Will I be made whole? What do I not? What do I need? What do I want made whole from? What do I need? Is it spiritual? Is it emotional? Is it physical? Is it financial? Relational? What is it that I need help to be made whole from? Number two, don't blame God. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. Don't blame God. It's not his fault. He's done everything he could possibly do. He set in place everything that is possibly needed for us to be made whole in spirit, in soul, and body. Once again, it's important that we recognize that. Number three, use our faith. By faith, Abel. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Moses refused to be, to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. But he chose to do what? He chose to suffer with the, his people in the wilderness rather than give place to the pleasures of sin for a season. And so he made a decision. How? By faith. By faith, Noah offered up Isaac. I mean, the list goes on and on. By faith. By faith. By faith. By faith, Enoch walked with God. So it's by faith. What, God, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? How can I exercise my faith in this given situation that I'm in right now? He wants us to do it. Uh, number four, give him all the glory. Look at Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. Give him all the glory. Give him all the glory. 
that's due his name. Given to the Lord, O ye mighty. Given to the Lord, glory and strength. Given to the Lord, glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. He wants the glory. He deserves the glory. He's already set everything in motion. You realize if we don't experience it, it's not his fault. No matter what we're talking about, what we need, it's not his fault. He set it all in place. And finally, look at Ephesians 4.27. Keep the door shut. Keep the door shut. He won't keep it shut for us. Neither give place. The Greek word is topos, which means territory, ground, and entry point. Keep the door shut. Keep the gate shut. Just keep it shut. Amen? How do I do that? Jesus told him, go and sin no more. In other words, be mindful of your life and how you're living and your lifestyle and what you're doing. It's not earned. You're not earning anything. He's already given it. It's already ours. Salvation is ours. Healing is ours. Deliverance is ours. Wholeness is ours. He's already done it. But it's up to me to believe it and tap into it by faith. Amen. We're going to worship. Just stay where you're seated. We're going to worship with this song. I'm going to ask you just to get alone with God. Get alone with Jesus. Get alone with the Holy Spirit right now. And ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do now? He might say, go up there and be anointed with oil. He might say, just have hands laid on you. He might say, you've already released your faith. And if you want to go, but let them know, I just want your agreement in prayer. Just agree with me. He might tell you, just sit right where you're at and start praising me right now this morning that you're healed and that you're whole. Hallelujah. He might say to you, make it right with that person that you're uh, having a problem with. There's bitterness there or there's unforgiveness there or whatever. Get that right first and then look to me for help. 